Ken Coleman is the two-time best-selling author of From Paycheck to Purpose and The Proximity Principle. He is also the host of The Ken Coleman Show. Courage will never show up unless you are clear and then you are confident. It's clarity and confidence that come together to give us courage in moments where we have to be brave. As America's work expert, he helps people discover what they do best so they can do work they love and produce the results that matter most to them. You need to reconnect with your why all the time. That's your purpose in work. Use what you do best to do what you enjoy to produce results that matter. So that's purpose in work. Whether they're looking for a complete career change or they're just unsure about what step to take next, Ken will help them get unstuck and get on the path to meaningful work. Ken Coleman, absolutely delighted to have you on the Modern Warrior podcast. We've been trying to make this happen for quite some time, and I am honored to have you here, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you. I know you've got a lot of value to share with the listeners today, no pressure, and we're going to talk in great depth about finding a purpose and uh, breaking through work-life struggles uh, which is a massive part of the work that you do is to help others break through this work-life struggle that so many people do have difficulties with. However, my first question to you is what was a struggle in your life that you had difficulties to break through and how did you manage to do that? Yeah, the, it was, uh, you know, my late... 20s, I began to realize that this path that I had imagined for myself uh, of uh, running for office, being involved in politics, that it wasn't the right path for me. And, you know, that, that comes with a lot of emotions because you, you feel silly in some regard because as a young man, 16, I thought, man, this is the clear path. And then the path changes for a variety of reasons. And then you feel a little silly. And then you feel stuck. You feel scared. Um, and so that cocktail of emotions keeps you, uh, still, you're not moving forward because you, you're not sure where to move. And so your, your speed, your progress is greatly hindered. So I wasn't making progress for several years. I was just stuck because I was choosing to stay stuck because I was fearful about the process of, uh, changing directions, moving into a new direction. Doubtful that I could do it at this point. Was I too late? I mean, it's a pretty gut-wrenching stuff when you feel like you don't know the path forward or you're scared of something uh, or you doubt that something can happen. So as I've said before, nobody is stuck. I know we've got some men listen to us who feel stuck, and I want to encourage them that they're not stuck. You've chosen to stay put. There's a big difference. But you need to understand why you've chosen to stay put, and that's because you fear that something bad will happen as a, as a result of moving forward, or you doubt that something good can happen if you do move forward. Or you're more worried about what other people say than what you believe. And, and so I was in that situation and uh, stuck in that situation by my own choosing for a couple of years. And then I got to the point one day on my back patio when I was journaling, I had been praying and just kind of analyzing, thinking through some stuff. And I, and, and essentially I was just to the point where I was tired of not moving. 
tired of thinking about moving or why I wasn't moving, just too much thinking. I need to start doing. And so it was that, that morning where I decided that it was up to me and I was going to have to create my own path, get a machete and just start carving your own path through the jungle. And so that was a big moment of breakthrough for me that led to, you know, what I do now. And the breakthrough came as a result of getting clear. When we get clear on who we are, our uniqueness, what we want to do, why we want to do that, then we begin to see the how and the where, how I can do it, where I can do it. And so that's all a result of clarity. Clarity just gives us so much perspective and long-term vision. That's what clarity does. And then I begin to see a vision and go, okay, I can see how I could get there and, 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 and where I can do this. So all that to say, that's clarity. So what I realized is, is that clarity always creates confidence. Always. When I, when, I, when I can see where I'm going, I can walk confidently. I can drive confidently when the fog lifts. And then confidence will give you courage when you need to be courageous. You don't just summon courage. I think of the example that's so powerful to me in illustrating this. If we've ever read a news story, we've seen something online of someone who is a complete stranger. They happen upon maybe a car accident or someone falls in a subway or whatever, and they, they risk their life or they risk injury to help someone who is in need. And they interview them afterwards, and they always ask some sort of question like, what made you so courageous, whatever? And they just say something like, I just did. I just knew I had to act, and I did. And I would submit to you that what I just laid out, clarity breeds confidence and confidence breeds courage. That is happening in an instant. They happen upon a fiery car. They know that someone's in there and they must be pulled out or they died. So in our own lives, in a non-emergency situation, when we need a breakthrough, we must always get to clarity. So courage will never show up unless you are clear. And then you are confident. It's clarity and confidence that come together to give us courage in moments where we have to be brave. Does it always require a breakdown before a breakthrough? No, no I think that's a really good question. Because I think that's what we think sometimes, that we have to be rock bottom to get a breakthrough. And I would say, good gracious, that would be horrible. But imagine if it were true, that the only way we get breakthroughs in life is when we break down. In fact, I would tell you, you need to make sure that you understand this formula for getting a breakthrough so that you don't break down. See, to me, breakdowns come as a, re as a, as a result of a long period of time of not being clear. So using the same formula, you go, what causes a breakdown? Well, what causes a breakdown is to, is to be living or working or relating. If we talk about relationships too, you know, if I'm in any area of my life where I'm in a elongated season of fogginess and I don't have clarity, I don't know where to go, or I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Boy, that that absolutely will break your your mental health, your your physical health, your emotional health, break your relationships, break your job. So uh, staying in a place of clarity and revisiting that process in every area of your life uh, is important. It will keep you from breaking down. So when you start to move forward then and 
momentum's on your side, you feel motivated, you feel driven, but then life has a way of putting barriers in, in place. What happens then when you begin to struggle, momentum shuts down, you feel deflated, maybe you feel defeated? How can someone maintain that momentum to, to continue moving forward beyond the obstacles that arise? I think in popular culture, a lot of motivational stuff in the space that I'm in, a lot of really bad advice is just run over the barrier. Just run right through it. Okay. Well, unless you know how to run through that barrier, and I try to run through this wall right here, you're going to have some serious pain. You're going to cause damage to the wall. You cause damage to yourself. You're going to cause damage. So I think what we have to first do is look at the barrier and we have to say, all right, here's a barrier. Can I go through it? Can I get over it? Can I go around it? And then in asking those questions, you have to say, um, okay, if the answer is yes, yes, and yes, is that the right decision? And then if the answer is no, then that also informs what my next move is. So can I go through it? Can I move? Can I keep going straight is the idea in this analogy. If the answer is no, then now I have a couple options. Am I going left? Am I going right? Or am I going to go back and find another way around? And I think it's really important that we examine barriers in life. Because sometimes those barriers are not actually barriers. They're, they're guides. This idea that we go over every barrier or that we just move, maybe sometimes we need to go left. Maybe the barrier's there for us. And, and so I think close analysis of the barrier, you know, can I overcome the barrier? Should I overcome the barrier? If I can't overcome it, then I'm going to allow it to guide me. And, and so that's the key. That's the key. Now, you said there was a, so that's the first part of the answer. The other part is you asked, how do you get that momentum back? And I think the way that you get the momentum back when you're stopped is you must remind yourself again of this direction, this destination, you're the where and the why. So you got to get back to clarity and you say, where was I headed or where am I headed pre-barrier? Why am I going there? And those two questions, the self-examination, which again is about this idea of staying clear because barriers can confuse us. And so clarity is the antidote to confusion. And at what point do you reach out for help? Is that from the get-go or is that all along the way? Stuck? Yeah. All along the way. I, you know, there's no one clear answer to that. So my answer is all along the way when you need it, ask for it. I think the most underused, undervalued question in the world is, will you help me? Because I think we as humans are so afraid to look helpless. We have so much pride. And I, I think all along the way, there's no way I am where I am professionally and quite frankly, personally, without lots of help. Why do so many people struggle to break through work life? Because they aren't willing to do what it takes. Most people will say, I'm willing to do what it takes. They say that. But if you were to do a follow-up question, say, are you willing to wait as long as it takes? Not a lot of people are willing to wait. Doing what it takes is diligence, um, persistence. The diligence is I'm going to do the right thing. And persistence is I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to do what it takes. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about there. Paying your dues, learning, 
failing, trying, getting back up again, that kind of thing. So diligence and persistence is doing what it takes. And waiting as long as it takes is patience. Very hard to be patient. Um, but those that, that master the tension, live with the tension of I got to get up and do today and keep going and keep hustling, keep showing up in the right place. And, and, and knowing, knowing that the right time I have no control over those that master that tension are the ones that win. How do you encourage people to remain persistent because it can get quite frustrating for many people? Absolutely. And I would tell a reconnection, a constant reconnection of their why. Why am I headed this direction? Why am I, why am I going there? Why? Why am I doing this? And you need to reconnect with your why all the time. And when you reconnect with your why, it's, it's, it's no matter what's happening in life, it's like, a, it's like this cell phone here when it's down to 1%. And I plug it in the wall, the little charger, ready to go, full capacity again. Uh, reconnecting to your why is your charger. It just get, it charges you back up. And, and that's, it's as simple as that. There's something in the human spirit that if you just are aware of who you are, where you want to go, why you want to go there, and you reconnect to that on a regular basis, there, you, it's just like inertia will pull you or push you forward. It's teed us up nicely to the next question, which is about your book, Paycheck to Purpose. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, you do speak a lot about purpose, but how does someone truly find their purpose that seems to be the, the a big struggle for many people actually mm -hmm. finding the purpose yeah well if we're talking about uh purpose as um a member of the human race it's quite easier to find if we're talking about purpose as it relates to work and what should i do with my life um you're going to experience it in different ways along the journey and it evolves with you so let me explain that. The first part is, 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 is I believe you were created to contribute. So your purpose as a human being is to contribute good. It's that simple. Contribute good relationally and professionally. You were created to do good works, and you do that in your relationship and the relationship capacity that you have, and then um, professionally because all of us are creative beings. So that's that's the per that's our purpose but to do it in our unique way which is the unique assemblance of our talent passion what we care deeply about i mean purpose in your work is as simple as are you spending most of your day using what you do best to do work you enjoy to produce results that matter boom that's it that is it that's your purpose in work use what you do best to do what you enjoy, to produce results that matter. So to you. And, and, and so that's purpose in work. Uh, and, and so realizing that is the definition, then you can see multiple places and spaces where you can apply that. And so that's how you get tremendous meaning and purpose out of your work. Where does your own enthusiasm and drive come from? I was drawn to your content some time ago and it was something that struck me immediately was your enthusiasm 
and your mm-hmm. drive that comes across in the content mm-hmm. that you share. And I wondered mm-hmm. where where does this come from for for Ken himself? What's the drive? Yeah, um, comes from my design, the way I'm designed. Number one, and then certainly the environment that I grew up in. I'm very much a performer. You know, on the Enneagram, I'm a three. Um, I'm a performer. I'm just wired that way. My personality is wired that way. That's how I'm wired with my talents is more on the communicative side. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a part of the population. That's just, we're just kooky in that we love pressure. I love the pressure to perform and anybody who's a performer listening to this or watching this gets that. So a, I'm wired that way. Um, and driven to find and put myself in places where I have to step up and deliver. So that's, that's the drive. Um, and then the enthusiasm is personality driven too. I mean, nobody, my dad never sat me down or my mom never sat me down and said, you need to be enthusiastic. And by the way, it is good advice. You know, if you're not naturally enthusiastic, it's good and it's really attractive and, and it's, and it's, uh, it has enormous benefits to be a person who who is enthusiastic. Um, but I'm just that way. Just got a lot of lot of energy and 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 juice, as I like to call it. So I'm just wired that way. And who have been some of the role models that have helped you along the way to get to this point? Oh man, I've got that's a fun question for me. Um man, I have role models all over the place. I could literally I could divide them up by category. Like, you know, like coaches like Pat Riley growing up, he coached the Lakers in the eighties, the glory years, a lot of coaches, you know, a lot of coaches I looked up to uh, just because I love the way that they, they, they were in command and, and under pressure and certainly politicians like Ronald Reagan. I looked up to Ronald Reagan a lot. Um. You know, I mean, I could go down the list. I could keep going and going and going. But it were it were it, they were always men who were in a position of influence and uh, high pressure. Yeah, I found that to be I was drawn to those type of people. And now you've become one of them. Oh well, I don't know about that, but certainly with my desire to communicate and certainly my desire to uh, to perform. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen parts of that, but I mean, I could go on and on. I was trying to shorten that list that I mentioned. Cause I, I, I think that sometimes we think of role models as a boyish thing, a childish thing. And I would say that that's, it's not childish. Uh, the, the, the art of emulation is I think crucial to, to self-development. Yeah. It's always good to have, uh, someone to aspire to and someone to inspire you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you another one, David Letterman has a profound impact on my style on my show. I don't know if many people would pick up on it because I'm not a comedian, but I mean, I, I very much, uh, David Letterman, I was uh, uh, absolutely on TV. I like watched him. I, I mean, Larry King live, Larry King affected my interview style. Uh, Bob Costas, some great interview. Like there's a lot of TV role models that I took on in my thirties to go, I want to do something like that, or this is an element that Larry King does that I want to do. I'm starting to get excited about this idea, but but the point that I want to make is, is that we should never feel like it's silly. We should never get too old that we can't look up to somebody. And from all the successes that you've achieved, what have been some of your greatest failures and how did you, how did you manage to uh, move beyond them towards 
further growth and progress perhaps? You know, I tried some things early on in the broadcasting game. I, I tried to get a, a sports show off the ground and it failed. I, I got it on as a segment, but I tried to turn it into something and that failed. And I spent a good amount of money on that. And that was a pretty good size failure at the time. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not a guy who does big failure. At least I knock on wood. I haven't to this point. I, I am a, I am a risk taker, but I am a mitigated risk taker. And so anytime I take a risk, the amount of damage that could happen if it doesn't work out is always manageable. That's the way I'm wired. That may serve me well. It may not. Uh, if I go back and play armchair quarterback. Um, so I don't have any big ones, but I mean, uh, but I will tell you, I'll just be personal here. I think my greatest failures have been as a father. And if my wife were here right now, she'd go, you're a great father. And don't say that you beat up on yourself, but I'm just telling you be, you know, transparent. I'm an intense guy. And my intensity at times has, um, has hurt my kids. And that, that grieves me. I'm, I'm working through that. I'll be transparent. I mean, those are the things like that. Just, you know, and again, never striking my kids and, and none of that stuff, but just the power of words, the power of intensity, uh, seasons of my life where I wasn't healthy and then trying to be a parent, good Lord have mercy. Um, I think those are some big failures. And, uh, um, and the way I try to get through it is, is to uh, improve each day. And I've owned it. And I've done it. I mean, my kids know it. I mean, it's not something where they were like, my dad has swept this under the carpet. I mean, I have, I have owned it in tears. Um, and, and that's all you can do. And, and then you, you just, um, you need to let the wound heal. You know, uh, I'll say this to men too, cause I don't think men are good at this and, and I'm getting better at it. I'm not there yet. But one of the things I've learned is, is that when we wound someone else, um, we also wound ourselves. And especially if you're aware enough to go, oh, crap, I wounded someone. And so if you care, if you're a good person, then, you, you know, you realize like this, this was combat and you wounded someone, but you also got cut. And if you're like me, a people pleaser, and and you then try to do your best to fix their wound, if you're not careful, you'll never take care of your own. And I think that's the beating up on yourself and not forgiving yourself is what I'm getting at. And so you have, I think one of the things that we as men don't do well is forgive ourselves. And it's really hard. And I wish I had some great wisdom. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, in fact, I know I'm not good at it. Or we wound others because we are wounded ourselves. And, and that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't forgive ourselves and the wound stays open and then it self-perpetuates and then just kind of keeps on, you know, it's kind of like an infection, you know, and if you get an open wound that's infected around somebody else, it can infect them. Have you been able to forgive yourself for those mistakes? Uh, Yeah, I think it's, yes. Yes. How so? Yes. Um, By number one, making sure that, um, that, that my kids know that I've owned it and, and not just apologize, but own it. You know what I mean? Uh, sorry is really empty if you're not going, hey, here's what I now know happened. And this is what caused me to act this way. And I'm working on that and this and this. And this. So you got to own it. And then um, the forgiveness is what sucks about forgiveness is 
is that it doesn't it doesn't remove the memory. And so while we can forgive, it's very hard to forget. And so when when I think about it or whatever, you know, and it's interesting that you bring this up. I mean, this is crazy, Kurt. I'm I'm not saying anything my my kid would want me to say, but I'm just this is, you know, when a kid brings something up, you know, and you have a whatever an altercation or something like that, and they go to the past. That's what kids like to do. They go back there. You're like, I thought we talked about this ad nauseum. I thought we handled this, and they're still bringing up the memory, and that that is like, ooh, and 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 that happened to me recently, and. And uh, I was able to quickly forgive myself uh, because we had a good conversation about it. Uh, and I realized that uh, uh, he hasn't forgotten it. And that's that's part of the deal. And um, and then I run through, am I better for it? Um, and am I getting healthier? Am I improving? You know, and then that's, that's how you forgive yourself. But but I'm kidding. You cannot truly forgive yourself. If you don't own it, number one, really own what was underneath the thing. And so we got to get that out and we got to figure out that we got to take care of that and guard against that. And, and then if you're doing that, then it's a lot easier to forgive yourself. How do you protect yourself from, from projecting yourself upon your kids? Notice? Yeah. So great question. So, uh, one good, good counseling, uh, and understanding the feelings behind it. Okay, so um, anytime we act out or have any kind of negative emotion towards anybody or towards ourselves, there's something underneath of it. And so it's all about emotion and you're not handling your feeling the right way. If we handle the feeling that's underneath the surface that causes us to act out, but if we process the feeling the right way, and what I mean by process is not put it off on the side, but literally own it, sit with it. And if I can sit with it and feel it in the moment, uh, then there's less likely of a chance that I'm going to do something wrong with it. So there's a good response to a feeling, and then there's an unhealthy response. So the idea is to know what the healthy response is, then to be willing to sit with the feeling to where you can now act properly. And how do you manage the balance between your business, your work, your relationship with your wife yeah. and, and, and well, your family? Number one, you, yeah, well, number one, there's no balance. So if you just look at the data, you're going to spend the majority of your life at work. Okay. And then next on the list is sleep. Right. And so outside of working and sleeping, then you got a little bit of time for a lot of other things. And so we not, we need to start to carve the, a lot of things down and go, what's, what's most important besides, you know, working and sleeping, you know, family, friends, exercise, you know, some hobby, some fun, you know, and uh, so there's no balance. And so understanding that the the goal is not balanced because it's impossible. So why are we trying to do something that's impossible? True balance, if we look at some scales right now, is both scales would be equal. And I would tinker with the rocks or the sand or whatever to get them equal. Well, that's in, now there's some people, you know, like Tim Ferriss will say four hour work week. That's whatever. That's all a complete marketing scam, you know. I'm not, I know I'm not trying to be unkind to Tim, but if you've read the book, I mean, it's a, it's a bait and switch and, you know, come on. So most people aren't working that many hours, four hours a week. Okay. So uh, there is no balance. And so balance is not the goal. Um, a healthy rhythm is the goal. So that's to me, like, what's the rhythm? You know, like if you start you know, whatever your rhythm is, you know, there's seasons of life where it's 
And let me tell you, being a parent is like that, right? I just got to get up and I mean, we're, we just got to get through the day. We're not doing right. You know, or maybe that's what it feels like for you. Maybe you're like, oh my gosh, I'm all over here. You know, and, and so what's a healthy rhythm in a season look like? So life is about seasons. There are seasons where we walk. There are seasons where we crawl. There are seasons where we run. There are seasons where we fly and soar. You're not going to do them all at the same time. And so having a healthy rhythm, meaning work, relationships, exercise, you know, that's the idea. What is a healthy rhythm in this season of life? And I think that is the goal. And that's what I try to do. You are responsible for your rhythm. So what, yes. are some, what are some of the strategies you've put in place to ensure that rhythm is... Very simple. I try to simplify life. Um, you know, I, I don't try to do too much. Uh, number one, I'm a husband. Number two, I'm a father. Number three, I am a worker teammate, right? For, at Ramsey Solutions. Uh, number four, I'm a brother, son, and friend. That's it. Those are the four biggies. Okay. And outside of that, um, I'm not, I'm not trying to do too much, you know? So I'll give you an example. Like my, my daughter's had a rough week. She's in middle school, middle school girls in America are evil and mean and nasty. And middle school boys are mean and nasty. And she's had a rough week. And I had a call with her this morning, right after I got to the office and got a little bit of breakthrough. And I said, baby, because my wife's going out of town with one of my other kids tonight. I said, baby, we're going on a date tonight. And that's the most important thing in my day today is that date with my girl. That's it. That's the number one thing. And uh, an hour after that, I got a text from a guy who's a friend. And he said, hey, one of our mutual friends is struggling in his career. He's in a soul-sucking job. Would you be willing to do cigars and bourbon with us and coach him up? And I said, absolutely, I'm in. I'll help. I don't have a complicated system. I just go, what is the main thing? And I got four main things, and I listed them out for you. And I go, that's how I decide what I'm doing. So I make decisions like that. Like, I don't put too much in my life. My family and faith, family, work, friends. So I say no to a lot of stuff. What's your first hour like in the morning when you wake up? Uh, strong coffee, my Bible, a devotional, and prayer time. Do you fit any exercise or any activities in there in the morning? Or I'm an afternoon, I'm an afternoon evening exerciser, I found out. Mm. Um I I uh, I'm not a morning exercise guy. I like to reflect in the morning. I'm a talker, we all know that. Um that quiet reflection time in the morning and just quiet. No one else is up. So I work out late afternoons. So like tonight I'll I'll work out, I'll go lift weights, you know, somewhere in the five to six thirty range. For whatever reason, it's good for me to work out after a full day as opposed to start the day. I think it's you got to know what's best for you. Yeah, I think a lot of men especially are guilted into a strict morning routine, which includes many different tasks from meditation to journaling to 
going to the gym to cold plunges. So yeah, less you is know more. What? Well, but here's the other thing. You know, I used to work for John Maxwell, leadership guru, and John has written about this in a lot of books. Um, he has a process where he's in a hot tub at night and with a glass of wine and he's reflecting on the day. I think there's something to reflecting at the end of the day, mm. you know? Um, and I do that a lot too. I read a biography. I'm reading something from history or a biography almost every night before I go to bed. That's my wind down process. So if there's somebody listening to this who is perhaps a little stuck at the moment, I know you mentioned that you're not completely stuck or you're not stuck. It's a choice you're making. However, people have this belief that there is no other way than this way at the moment. And, you know, you have written that book, Paycheck to Purpose. How can they begin to move towards the purpose away from this comfortable place that they that that has become their life towards something more meaningful i know you've given us a lot of insight in, in your previous answers but if you could give us a couple of short strategies to begin moving forward what would they be yeah so radical self-awareness become truly aware of who you are is, is that, that a, will... is, is that a writing down process or is that sitting on your own process or is that a a, a therapeutic process with a counselor or I think it's everything you mentioned. It depends on what you need. Um, I, I think that we have to start with self-awareness. We have to get to the point where we go, this is who I am. And and I, you look at your story growing up and that includes your environment you grew up in the experiences that you've had in life that shapes you. It just shapes you, shapes your worldview, shapes the, what you feel angry about, what you feel encouraged by uh, what warms your heart, your, your, your story. That's the experience and, and environment you grew up with. And that's starting. Then you got to look at talent, what you do best. You got to look at passion, the type of work or task or something that just, you, you think about it, you get jacked about it. Uh, and then you got to understand what motivates you, what motivates you, you know, what results get you excited. See, no one can truly motivate you. Only you can motivate yourself because you know what you care about, what results you care about. So all that to say, that's the awareness, the radical self-awareness. Self-awareness is huge. And then once you're aware uh, of who you are, what you want to do now, it's what does it take to get there? So you've got to map it out. And then you got to, next, you need to connect, connect, connect to learn, to do, uh, for future opportunity, connecting, connecting, connecting. And then you got to start, you got to do. At some point, you just got to start doing it. There is so much um, that we could be doing that we don't do because we think, well, we got to have this great start or this perfect start instead of just going, I'm going to start doing it. Listen, when I finally decided to do something on that back patio, as I shared at the beginning of the podcast, you know, the first thing I did, I called up some buddies who had some connections. I knew they did a high school football show on Friday nights on some country music station in nowhere, Georgia. And you know what? They're like, you come down and hang out. And I went down and started talking about high school football from 11 o'clock at night until midnight, one hour show. I was one of five people on the mic and it was just to do something. It never led to anything, but you know what it did? I freaking loved it. 
And I knew I loved it. I couldn't wait to get in there and get my chance to say something on the microphone. Now, what's the point of all this? By doing that little thing that nobody was listening to that didn't lead to anything at all. It's not on my resume. In fact, I've never even shared that story before, I don't think. Um, it confirmed inside of me that I freaking light up when the light comes on and somebody wants me to say something. So what what's the value of that? Confirmation. Confirmation that I love it. Boy, I tell you what, if you figure out what you love, um, that's half the battle. Most people don't know what they love. So that's just a couple of short things there that will just go ahead and ignite the heart. And once the heart is ignited, watch out. It's those three words, is it, that are so pivotal? Just do something. Just do something. Yeah. When we sit around and think and think and think and think and think and make excuses. And, and if you think too much, fear, doubt, and pride, those voices I talked about earlier, they will begin to throw up some very legitimate excuses your way as to why you're not moving forward. Think about it. I mean, look, fear, doubt, and pride, a fear. If you do this, if you do something, something bad could happen. <gasps> uh, doubt says, well, why would you do that? What, what, why, why? Why would you do this? There's no chance it's going to happen. And then pride goes, what are people going to say? And so those little insidious voices begin to create legitimate excuses if we let them stay in our head too long. And then you're justified. Well, I didn't go for it because I got a wife and three kids and a dog. And I mean, it's just if I go for broadcasting, I mean, it's I, I don't I, 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 And then you just basically excuse yourself. Watch what happens. The excuse allows you to excuse yourself from doing something. You're excused. You don't have to do it. And that's, that's, that's what excuses. Excuses allow us to excuse our inactivity. The longer we allow those voices of negativity to give us excuses, we eventually, they become legitimate reasons. And then we excuse ourselves. I, I, I'm not going to go do this. This was, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll follow up that compliment with another compliment for myself and to say, Ken, thank you so much for thank you, sir. the value you've shared here. I am lit up, I'm inspired, and I'm ready to take action, further action on my purpose in life. And I'm sure the audience feels the same. And this has only been a <clears throat> this has only been a snapshot of the amount of value that you share. You share so much value on your social media sites. And thank can you, you please do the audience a great favor and let them know where they can find you and reach out sure. and potentially start working with you and grab your book and do whatever else. Love it. Yes, sir. Thank you. The website is kencoleman.com. Uh, all the connections. We have free resources. We have obviously a store there with a lot of resources, including the book, the assessment that goes with that book uh, and connections to the different platforms that the Ken Coleman show is on social media at Ken Coleman would love to see you on the on the old gram as I call it my kids hate when I say that the Instagram the gram uh, the, the the TikTok and all that stuff so uh, appreciate the opportunity to share my heart with you today I appreciate your presence and your energy and your value here Ken so thank you again my man. thank you sir all right brother <laughs>